The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. The Spirit of truth uses the Word of truth. And He uses human tools. What are the results of the new birth? New life. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus goes on and explains to Nicodemus, that whoever believes might in Him have eternal life. There's new hope. You're born again to a living hope. And not a kind of hope so. I hope I go to heaven now. No, this hope is a hope both sure and steadfast and unshakable. It's like the anchor for your soul. And we can know that we have eternal life. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study called The Truth Shall Set You Free. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled The Truth About New Birth. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but don't know where it came from and where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. You can't see the wind. You don't know what causes it. You say, oh, they've got that figured out. Well, don't be so sure. (laughs) But we can tell when it's blowing. You can see the effects. You can see the dust. You can see the, you know. And uh, there's a mystery to who controls the wind, huh? Not a real mystery. It's God. It's God. But in one sense, there's this mystery. In fact, uh, let me just read you a paragraph said better than I can say it by a theologian, Wayne Grudem. Because regeneration is a work of God within us in which he gives us new life, it is right to conclude that it is an instantaneous event. It happens only once. At one moment, we're spiritually dead. Then at the next moment, we have new spiritual life from God. Nevertheless, we don't always know exactly when this instantaneous change occurs, especially for children growing up in a Christian home or for people who attend an evangelical church or Bible study over a period of time and grow gradually in their understanding of the gospel. There may not be a dramatic crisis with a radical change of behavior from hardened sinner to holy saint, but there will be an instantaneous change nonetheless when God, through the Holy Spirit, in an unseen, invisible way, awakens spiritual life within. The change will become evident over time in patterns of behavior and desires that are pleasing to God. So I'm not here to say, when were you born again? Do you know the exact time? You maybe would say, Scott, it was a period of time, and I can't really nail down when it happened, but you know it has happened. Or you're here and you'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. I've always sort of believed that stuff, but and it's almost foreign language to you. And I'd say, just listen up. I think his paragraph said it well. C.S. Lewis was a famous agnostic. I mean, he was a well-written British agnostic and uh, brilliant. But he was challenged to look into Christianity, and he was challenged by Christians around him. And he wrote of his own conversion. Just listen to what he says. I know very well when, but hardly how. He says, I I know it happened, but I hardly know how. The final step was taken. 
I was driving to Whipsnade. I think that's a, it'd be like saying driving to Woodburn. <laughs> okay. I was driving to Woodburn one sunny morning. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, you know the zoo down at Woodburn? <laughs> he said, I was driving. Sunny day, we're headed to the zoo. And when I got in the car, I didn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. Yet I'd not exactly spent the journey in thought, nor in great emotion. He says, I know when it happened, but I don't really understand how. And some of you would say, I believe. I remember. I moved from unbelief to belief. When I got in the car, I didn't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I wasn't even thinking about it, although he'd been thinking for months and chewing on this, you know, and God was at work, and he calls it the final step, you know, in his conversion. But he says, when we got there, I did. And I've watched that happen, and it's a beautiful thing. So in one sense, it's mysterious. But in another sense... It's stated very clearly. Turn back to 1 Peter. Turn back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter begins with a burst of praise. He's going to write about our salvation. And he says, wow, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he explains it. Verse 23. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable. When you were born the first time, you and I were born when the seed and the egg came together. There was conception. There was life. But you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. Remember what Jesus said? The sower went out to sow the seed, and he went like this. This is the way they did it. They didn't have a machine. They, they had a bag, and they sowed the seed like this. And mo his most famous parable, probably, some fell on good soil, some fell on the path, some fell on the rocks, some fell on the thorns, you know. But he said, then when he explained it, he said, the seed is what? The Word of God. The Word of God goes forth. Well, look at Peter, verse 23. You've been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding Word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was euangelizod to you. I say it that way because I want you to hear the word. Euangelizo. Good message. Evangelism evangelize to bring the good news, to bring the good news. When you heard the good news brought to you, the Word of God, the very Word of God was proclaimed. It was 
evangelize to you. And you were born again. And he goes on, if you keep reading, I won't. But he says, now like a newborn babe, long for the pure milk of the word. You're a baby now. Now grow. You know, sometimes we say the way in is the way on. You came to Christ through the word and uh, keep feeding on the word. And you grow uh, like a newborn baby does. But Jesus said it without mentioning that, didn't he? He said, you got to be born of the Spirit, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. However, he did say, remember? He said, don't marvel that I said to you, you got to be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Now, there are those who say, well, the first time, you know, the water breaks and it's a physical birth. But the second time is a spiritual birth, and I won't argue with that because he's saying you got to be born again. But I don't really think he's saying that kind of pedantic, kind of a statement about the water, I think probably he's saying when he says you must be born of the water and the Spirit, the Word. You're already clean, Peter. You don't need to be bathed. You're already clean, except not all of you. Remember he said that in John 13? John 15, you're clean because of the Word which I've spoken to you. The washing of regeneration I just read in Titus 3.5. The word of God. Husbands, wash your wives. Teach them. Exhort them. Encourage them with the word. Washing of water with the word. So the Bible consistently speaks of this uh, matter of the cleansing power of the word. And I would say this. The spirit of God takes the word of God, this word which was evangelized to you, and causes life. There's life. He makes us alive. He quickens us. James 1.18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the firstborn, the first among his creatures. He makes us alive, and he uses human tools. Some of you have had the privilege recently of being a tool in the Spirit's hand, bringing the Word of God. That's why we take the Word when we go. We go out and sow the seed, and evangelism is a huge and high privilege, and you will find among those who are evangelists, you will find a relentlessness with the Word of God. I thrill uh, when I, and often when I'm telling a story up here, I don't mention them by name because it's just not my habit, but I would be talking about Lance or Larry or Gary or any number of others who are obviously evangelists. And when I think of Luis, Luis, he's relentless talking about Jesus Christ and what he did for you and you can have him as your savior. And Billy Graham was the same way and they're often criticized. Oh, they just bring the same old message every time. Just a new introduction and a new close. But they got the same message. That's right. They're relentless in saying because they trust and they don't just bring the same old message. You get with Luis, and I didn't, never got with Billy, but I, you read and you listen and, you, and he didn't. But he does bring the same old message. You know what I'm saying? From every point of the compass in the Scripture. And Luis is the same way. Why is that? Because they know. 
that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And this new birth is necessary. George Whitfield was uh, kind of the Billy Graham of the colonial era. He was a British guy, and he came over here with the Wesleys, and he was friends with the Wesleys. But he, um, he was an evangelist, and he went around and spoke, and he had a dramatic flair, and he was a loud proclaimer. He, they'd say that he could, he could hold an audience of 20,000 on a hillside, and they didn't have microphones. You know. But he, just, he, he relentlessly proclaimed, and he had this message that he entitled, You Must Be Born Again. And he preached it in England. And he preached it in America. And he'd go to the next colony and preach it again. What's your text today? You must be born again. He preached it over 300 times. Somebody said, why do you keep preaching that same old message? You must be born again. Whitfield said, because you must be born again. (laughs) And I love that relentlessness. And don't you criticize Those who have that childlike trust in God's Word. And I love it. Some of our guys that just have learned that just have people read the words. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. The Spirit of truth uses the Word of truth. And He uses human tools. What are the results? We've seen the necessity. We've seen the means. What are the results of the new birth? New life new life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus goes on and explains to Nicodemus, that whoever believes might in him have eternal life. There's new hope. You're born again to a living hope. And not a kind of hope so, I hope I go to heaven now. No, this hope is a hope both sure and steadfast and unshakable. It's like the anchor for your soul. And we can know that we have eternal life. And hence we live life the way it was meant to be lived from a position of security and assurance. We know who our Father is. We know where we're going. And we can live a life the way it was meant to be lived. There's new desires. There's new Values. If any man is in Christ, Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 5, he's a new creature. You're a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Things you used to live for kind of grow fuzzy and gray. And you find, and I remember distinctly, stuff that just meant a lot to me, it kind of fell out of my life like dead leaves because I was so occupied with this green sap. And that that analogy, you know, when the new life comes in a tree, the dead junk just falls away. The new leaves and the new life sprouts out. There's new priorities. There's new friends. What are you, in a cult or something? No. You're in a new family. You're in the family of God. You've been born of God. And one of the first things I'll tell someone when I happen to be there like a midwife, and it's a joy, I'll say, I'll point to them, I'll say, look at here, it says you became a child of God. You can call him father now. And I did too, and that makes me and you brothers. And sometimes they go, really? (laughs) Not really, you know what I mean? But I want them to know they're part of a new family. A new family. New hungers. 
Oh God, you are my God. I'll seek you early. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. All of a sudden, there's new hunger. A friend of mine just told me when he came to Christ, he said, I had a a voracious appetite for the Word of God. I became a voracious reader of the Word of God. New vision, new eyes. By the way, every blind man that was healed in the New Testament is a picture. The scales fall away, and all of a sudden you can see what might, you might have just ignored before. Now you have eyes to see, and you have new ears. There's new listening that you do. You don't just... What used to be just stuff you just turn away from that station, get back to rock and roll, or whatever it is, you know... All of a sudden, you start to find... I remember when I found the Christian station. And at first, I thought I was put off by some of it. I still am, quite frankly. But, but when I found the Word of God, I wanted to hear it. I wanted to hear it. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. And they shall never perish. Look at John 8. Are you still there in John? Look at John 8. This is so important because I think one of the first results of the new birth, one of the first earmarks of a believer is hearing the truth, wanting to hear it, listening to the Word of God. I meet someone, and I don't know if they're understanding it, and if I meet them again in a week and they say, I hadn't had any time, and they continue to ignore the Word of God, I'm disappointed. And I'm not saying we don't cultivate growth, not at all, but I'm saying when I meet someone, they might still be confused, but they can't get enough of reading the Bible. I know something's going on. And so John 8, Jesus said, you know, he said, if you abide in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Hey, we've never been, we've never been slaves to anybody. What do you mean set us free? We're children of Abraham. Now, if you were children of Abraham, You'd do the deeds of Abraham, but as it is, you're seeking to kill me, a man who's told you the truth. We weren't born of fornication, and they just, oh, they got ugly with him. And verse 44, you're of your father the devil, Jesus said. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God, don't miss this, verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you don't hear them because you're not of God. No, he gives you a new set of ears, and you hear the truth, and you respond to the truth. In other words, you're a new creature. You have new vision, new eyes, new ears, new priorities, new friends, new family, new everything. You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And you have then, think about where we've been. Redemption, reconciliation, justification, forgiveness. 
All this is yours, Christian, child of God. When you receive him, you have these riches. When you're born again by his grace, by his mercy, when he causes you to see, when he opens your heart and you say, I embrace Jesus, you embrace life the way it was meant to be lived. I tell you today, you must be born again. It isn't just going to church. Or he said, I go to Bible studies. He didn't say about Bible studies and stuff. He said, you must be born again. Today, you have heard. You have heard this morning. You've heard his word. I'm making a statement. You've audibly heard his word. I ask it. Have you heard his word? Jesus said, if you've got ears to hear, hear. Whoever. Moses raised that serpent up in the wilderness, and they would look and live. And even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, trusts him, comes to him, the Bible uses all of this language. Receive him and you become a child of God. And you're born not of blood. It's not your family line, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man. It's not something you can just gut out. And it's not something that some pastor or priest or pope can confer on you. You go to the right church, I don't care. I'm asking you, are you born again? You must be born Again, today, if you've heard his voice, if you've heard his voice, I tell you, enjoy this new life. Walk with him. It is life indeed. Father, how we praise you for this. And we thank you that we love to gather just to worship you because you're worthy of praise. We love it that Peter burst into praise at the new birth. And we do too. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you for your spirit who opens our eyes, who makes us alive. Thank you for your son who died that we might live. Thank you, triune God, for salvation. We come in the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Truth About the New Birth, a message from our study of the great truths of the Bible. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Southwest Bible Church invites you to register your child for Adventure Camp this summer, an all-day, all-summer day camp for kids in kindergarten through fifth grade. 
The mission of Adventure Camp is to provide kids with unforgettable summer memories where they make new friends, are valued by their leaders, and encounter the good news of Jesus Christ in a safe and welcoming environment. Each uniquely themed week includes a variety of activities such as cooking projects, water slides, nature hikes, STEM activities, arts and ceramics, and field trips to top Portland area locations, all led by the friendly and well-trained staff. Spots are filling up, so go to AdventureCampKids.org and register today. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at Facebook.com slash Abide in the Word. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When you hear the word inheritance, what do you think of? I think almost immediately of birth. What family? She inherited that much? And you think, oh, she's born into? Or he inherited, we think of birth. But you can also inherit through bequeathal. You don't have to be, you know, when we think of inheritance, there's two ways to inherit. One is to be born into it, and the other is to, he chose to bequeath and then his next-door neighbor or whatever. So we're used to that sort of thing. Let me tell you the good news for you and I. When God uses this term, inheritance, child of God, you are an inheritor both by birth and bequeathal. Join us again next time as we continue this informative study. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, The Truth About Our Imperishable Inheritance. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.